Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. In this episode I speak to the Travel Radio podcast host, Megan Chapa. Megan is one of the very first travel radio podcasters. During this discussion, she talked to me about some of her best practices and also spoke to me about what it takes to become a successful podcaster. All of that and much more in my discussion with Megan Chapa. Hi, Megan. Thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much for asking and for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, just before we go into your life, really, uh, just explain a little <laughs> bit about <laughs> just explain a little bit about yourself. I'm Megan Chapa. I'm host of Travel Radio Podcast, and um, I'm in Virginia currently, but we just recently moved from Oxford, United Kingdom, where we were for three years, and we loved it. And uh, yeah, it's another home of ours, and it's in our hearts, and we're missing it greatly right now. So that's a little bit about me and where we are now. Will we come on to a little bit about your your hit, your past, your present, and what you've got plans for the future. But I like to always take it back and find out where the initial love for travel all began. So for yourself, where did it all begin with you? I mean, we were we're a family of explorers. My my parents, we were I was raised in the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts, which I don't know if you have those exact things in the UK. But um we did a lot of camping and uh, exploring and spelunking and those sort of activities as children and backpacking, extensive backpacking throughout the United States, the Appalachian Trail, and then um, New Mexico, Colorado, all these places where we have these wonderful mountain ranges. So that's kind of where it started. And uh, it's, it's, I mean, it was out of you know, wanting to explore, but also then because, you know, my family, we, I'm one of five. And so you finally get space when you're out in nature. And also you can't take, you know, when you have five children, it's quite difficult to book a cruise or any of those sort of things. You need to book three cabins or whatever. So we weren't that family, probably out of cost, you know, necessity, but we were always exploring. And at Pennsylvania, where I was raised is a wonderful place to do that. So there you go. That's how it started. So I had a guest from Pennsylvania and she told me that traveling wasn't really what people do around that area that she was, she was from she was saying there was a lot of Amish around so the the the, 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 <laughs> the yeah so to travel it wasn't really on the agenda a lot of people don't even have passports she told me but um I mean did you get any questionings like that in, when, when you were growing up actually in school when you were doing a bit of Traffic. So actually, I went to college in the center of the state, which is where the Amish and we have also a large Mennonite population. And then actually the college I went to was Brethren in Christ, which is another kind of, you know, that that kind of style of living. But that's not the way the university was. We weren't like in horses and buggies and whatnot. But um, those communities are, I mean, that's kind of. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a tenant of the community, but it wouldn't surprise me that they don't have passports or that they don't, you know, want to travel because they're very, 
not like inward looking, but they're very much like community centered in the sense that you're around because you're part of the community. You're helping the community. There's very much, things are very much planned in the community. Um, just because that's just like a little bit of like insular living uh, because of the tenets of their faith and how they operate. But, and so it doesn't surprise me that way, but the Pennsylvania is huge. I mean, I don't want to say it's like the size of England, but it's right. Not the size of the UK, but we have one state that's the size of, so that on both sides, you have Pittsburgh on the West and you have Philadelphia on the East, which are very large cities. And then we have other small cities pocketed around where we have airports and things like that. And then there's, there's actually a train system that goes right through the middle. So I think it depends on where you're, where you're at and what you're exposed to. And there's really so much to do in the United States that a lot of people don't maybe find the need to travel internationally. Uh, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't put the blanket statement on the, the state itself, but it's not surprising in that area that just because they're so community focused that they plan things long term uh, for the community. And also because a lot of it's like a farming there's farming traditions and so a lot of that happens with the seasons and so you need to plan to be around and so i don't think it's not that they don't want to travel but that the necessity is to be close to home because they're you know one of the things that's a tradition in those cultures like the amish cultures and many cultures is not using modern technology when possible and so they're working with the sunlight they're not necessarily using you know electrical things or that sort of nature so things you work with the seasons. And so if you're traveling, if you're, you know, leaving the farm, essentially, you're losing time that you need for, you know, either growing your crops, harvesting, working with your animals. And so I don't think it's necessarily that they don't want to, but it just might be, you know, a luxury of time that they don't have because they're living in very much a farming community. How did it all begin with you with the podcast then? Yeah, so I, you know, my, the career that made sense with my constant moving was to go, get into travel planning to kind of, you know, essentially get paid for the work I was already doing, planning friends and family's trips. And that was great. And then we moved to Colorado, which my husband was teaching at the Air Force Academy. And it's just a beautiful setting. If you if you ever get a chance to go to Colorado Springs, you can tour the Air Force Academy. It's wonderful. It's right at the base of the mountains. And so we lived there and then he got um, picked up for, he got the scholarship to Oxford and I knew that we were going to move. And my clients who were, who are, and were wonderful, wanted to continue the relationship. And they said, doesn't matter the time zone, the internet's great. We can make this work, which hypothetically does work. But when my kids get out of school and then are hungry or want to play with a friend or whatever it is. In Oxford, now it's time to go to bed. That's when California is getting up and moving and into their day. And so as gracious as my clients were, I had anticipated, and it turned out to be true, that it just wasn't really, um, it, it, it wasn't easy is probably the, the nicest way to put it, and not fair to my children. And so the, the only way, you know, money is great, but it's not worth ignoring my children. And when I was in Colorado, I started the podcast and decided to keep it going in England 
as my way to stay connected with the travel industry. So originally the podcast started for, cause I, I would be at parties telling people about these amazing trips and itineraries friends of mine were planning or like really wild themed cruises because you can do just about anything on a cruise ship. It's crazy. Uh, we can talk about some of those things <laughs> another time, but, um, but I wanted to just keep it. When I'd be at these parties, people would say, if I had known that type of travel existed, I wouldn't have done my last vacation. We did no planning. We just went there and showed up and we really wasted a lot of time. And so I'd point them to a person that specialized in whatever it was. And, you know, they would have a better experience the next time. And so I said, I'm just going to record all these things that my friends are doing and put it out there as a resource. And largely because I wanted to learn while I was working, but there was, there was some YouTube out there, right? There was YouTube and there was uh, other sites and, you know, National Geographic videos, of course, things like that. But there wasn't just an audio piece that I could listen to. And there's a lot of webinars, like travel professionals, travel agents are just inundated with webinars and it's facts and figures and it's pretty darn boring. And it's not at all why people got into the travel profession. It's not at all why people love travel. Like there's no narrative or story or any of that sort of thing involved. It's facts, figures, reputable suppliers, whatever. And I just, I wanted something other than that. And so because I couldn't find it, I created it. And then with the tax structure in the UK and the US, it was a little unclear about the taxing and um, and having consulted about five attorneys in the States, they're like, we're not quite sure how to handle this because of residency, blah, blah, blah. So I said, I'm just not going to work. I'm just going to continue the podcast. It'll just be something that's mine. And yeah, I'm not going to get paid for it, but it's mine. It's fun. I like it. I get to talk to interesting people. I'm going to keep it going. And so that's, and so that's how it's, that's why it's going right now is because it's mine and I like it. I get to meet interesting people like you. <laughs> you give the, given us the reason why you started it, but to keep it running that's the that's the key thing so a lot of people start podcasts but they finish it off because trying to get guests trying to continue um topics and whatnot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. isn't easy it's very difficult for me it was having a goal uh, i guess what i wanted to achieve i think that's mm-hmm. the most important thing so there has to be a why is there a long-term goal with the podcast Sure. I mean, definitely at first I kept it when I started to tell my friends stories and have a resource out there that's just not available and something interesting that wasn't just wasn't being produced. And then I kept it going to stay connected. And then at some point I just was like, I I don't know why I'm doing this, Joe, because what, what happens with my podcast is that I basically create really interesting marketing pieces for people and then they get all the feedback or they make a sale off of it or whatever happens. And they'll write back to me like, Hey, we had great response. Thanks for having us. But I, you know, it can be kind of isolating or isolated and lonely because a lot of times you don't that you can see all the downloads happening, but you don't necessarily hear from people. And so to have audience engagement with the podcast is a real tricky thing that I don't think I've mastered, but I do have, you know, probably, I don't know, 50 people I reliably hear from. But I kept it going because, you know, it, a lot of my life is about my husband's life, which I'm very thankful for. And I really love the U.S. Air Force. Um, but it's just something that I could keep that was mine. And I wanted to keep it going because it's something that I created. And I can see this track record of like four years of all these people and all these new friends that I have. And, um, and yeah, so I just, 
that's what it is currently. It's mine. But in the future, what I would like to do is, um, like there are people who deserve a voice in the world and deserve a voice in tourism, but don't know how to have a U.S. audience, don't have the huge advertising budgets. And so um, I would like to be able to give some of those people a voice. I would like to be able to, and you know, and that's a tricky process because you can't just, the hopes is that there's a business transaction, right? Like you raise one of these people up and then somebody books a tour with them or hires them for whatever purpose, but they have to be reputable. They have to be safe. They have to be, they actually have, like you can't show up after having paid how much money and then have no one be there Um, or, or however the situation happens. And so I'd, I'd like to give voice to people who, I don't want to like, <laughs> be the judge here, but people who should have a voice and people who maybe aren't in the travel industry, but are, are tangent and really can offer something to it. So for example, I did an episode with Nigel Hetherington. Nigel runs past preservers, pastpreservers.com. And the, um, he actually wrote the UNESCO World Heritage Preservation Plan for the Valley of the Kings. Now he's not in tourism, but he made the plan that we all operate by. And so he has something relevant to say. And so I'd like to bring voices into the tourism sector that aren't just people who are, you know, we'll get into this, I'm sure, but influencers or people who have traveled to 140 countries or all, you know, if you're saying 200 or 198 or whatever the country count is at the time and all 50 states. Like I, that's not necessarily expertise for me. Um, there's, there's other ways of, of bringing in experts, uh, and people with a voice of authority other than tourism boards and things of that nature. I think there's just, um, I want to say like the goal is unconventional travel education and elevating voices that may not have the opportunity to otherwise. Yeah. That's not really going to write out fluently into an elevator pitch, but but that's the goal. And, um, and then hopefully, you know, add to the Chapa family bottom line at some point, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's the goal. And I'm, I minorly succeeding at that, you know, hopefully it will grow right now during the pandemic. You know, you're, you're an example of this and this is not to knock you, but the number of podcasts that have launched during this time is astounding. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I launched, it was like three of us. I mean, Rick Steves didn't even have a podcast yet. And, uh, (laughs) and now, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, um, I I foresee when the, when these travelers that want to conquer every country, get up and going again, they're not going to, because as you know, this takes time, this takes Mm -hmm. effort and they're not going to want to mess with it anymore. Because when the world opens up, they're just—I mean—there's pent up demand, and and if they're people with itchy feet that just have to go, 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 and they've been locked down, I, I think they're going to double their time on the road <laughs> than what they used to have in their office. So I think that some of the podcasts and things that are happening now will fall away, and so, um, and so maybe then, you know, for your podcast and my podcast and people that are making these efforts to kind of put more reputable voices out into the universe uh hopefully those will will bubble to the top so there you go 
there's so much you've said that I want to uncover. So <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> so I know you said initially that it was your thing. They're saying that the podcast industry is going to be worth maybe 35 billion in a couple of years' time. So you started it a good while back. So you've got potential of making it work for you. And you mentioned as well, it takes time to build. Absolutely. You have to work for it. It really takes time mm-hmm. to build, especially if it's mm-hmm. a podcast, anything. So even if you're writing, uh, if you're, I don't know, whatever you do, it doesn't have to have to be even the travel industry, whatever industry you're in, it takes time to become successful. So same thing. So I, you're doing this consistently. And one thing I did like what you said, and it's absolutely true. I do the exact same thing is making sure the guests that you bring on, there's a reason, reasons behind bringing them on. What story can they tell? What, what can they, what can they tell us that we've not heard already? The guests that I try and bring on anyway, um, they, they don't have to be necessarily big influencers you know, or big personalities. Uh, as long as they've got, a, as long as I can see there's a, there's a story and I can see a path and it's authentic. Mm-hmm. The word authentic is very, very important. As you said, though, some podcasts will fade away uh, once we get back to some sort of normality, but the ones that have really put the effort in, you know, w- it will last. And, you know, I'm not saying my podcast, I mean, I've had some notable guests. I like to treat every guest as unique they've got their unique um story to tell it's important to to give voice to the right people and you know you and i had a similar guest the same guest and she, she has the opposite opinion where she says i don't think you have to be in a country for years in order to really gain expertise in the country or really take in the culture and i think i'm much more of a slow processor than that um so yeah it's i think i've choose my guests a little differently than she might if she had her own show but um yeah it's hard it's hard I think you're doing a great job I I love the episodes that you've run and your questions are very insightful so um yeah and in that sense I think that we try to operate a little similarly so I think that you're going to be wildly successful and I'm looking forward to that so yeah anyway good luck to you I think you'll do well I really appreciate you saying that and it's a it's a tough feel, as you know. It's not easy. Uh, but what people don't see, actually, is, as I was saying to you before, the effort that you put in. Uh, so you might see a 40-minute you know, video or 40-minute um, listen, but it takes, some, it takes me weeks just to get that all prepared. And people watching it who are generally interested can appreciate the work that's gone in so i can see the work that you've put in you see and it's very professional and i think what you need to think of it is you need to go if if you're going to start off a podcast if you're going to start off anything you know anything in the travel industry you have to think of it as a business i don't know what you think so at the end of the day i know you said you started it initially it was just your thing but long term as well if you're going to make it successful think of it on the business level you're talking about bringing on reputable guess so I, I take it as like this is my television show or this is my baby really that I do all the due diligence making sure you know it's like a proper proper show you know and I, I've heard a lot of podcasts unfortunately there's you know a lot of travel ones as you mentioned that have come out and there's I'm not I'm not I don't want to criticize them too much because they're not I guess this is like a media thing that we're doing, aren't we? So you're almost all of a sudden you become presenters. 
I'm not saying it's their fault, but if you're going to start something like that, you have to have, would have had to have had some sort of, I guess, some sort of skill sets to do it. Uh, so you, I watch a lot of them and, or listen to a lot of them. And it's very generic questions. There's not really a conversation going. It's not really, it doesn't really flow. Uh, anything on a long format that you do, you're going to have to engage with someone properly. And mm-hmm. you, know, you can't wait for the next question to, you know, you've just answered the question there. I can follow up on it. Uh, I'm I, Like when I first started, one of the things I, I used to do was write down all the questions. I don't even write down the questions anymore because I want it to be as natural as possible. So that's, I get, I probably get mm, 10 to 20 pitches a week that people want to come on the podcast, which is a good sign. It means it's being found. However, there, there are things that are very generic or like, here's 20 things I want to talk about or 20 things I could talk about. And for example, there's a series that I'm recording right now, which is kind of, it's a deeper dive into Mexico. So let's get off the resort properties. Um, Mexico, our, you know, our Southern buddy down there is really rich in heritage and culture. And, you know, you can do things other than go to the resorts. There are safe areas you can go, but we've got some stigmas that we're working against. And so I'm recording the series on, you know, like a culture vulture Mexico. Like let's, let's get deep into this thing. And the thing that I'm saying to people is, I'd rather have 20 minutes talking about one vineyard or one, I don't know, you know, swimming with whale sharks, than talk generically about, you know, have 20 minutes or 45 minutes on an entire week's worth of travel. Like I want to get a really in-depth, you know, set expectations. Um, Is this handicap accessible? You know, did you, what did you observe? What did you feel like, you know, you, this is, you probably experienced some culture shock because of the different standards of living. Like get some, get some retrospective and set people up well for their trip. But also you need to leave a little bit of mystery in there, right? Their trip needs to be authentically their trip. But um, yeah, I want to do that. But I also, I want to give them some bullet points so that they're prepared for what we're going to talk about don't read them. So just like you're like, they are, they answer them, but I don't read them. So just like you want to have the authentic conversation, have the authentic reactions. A lot of people that I am interviewing have never done an interview before. And so they're very nervous. And so they want to have the authentic conversation, have the authentic reactions. A lot of people that I am interviewing have never done an interview before. And so they're very nervous. And so they want to say, do you have any problems with the bullet points? And they'll say no. And they'll say, but then in this story that I want to tell, and they'll start to tell me the story. I'll say, stop. Don't tell me the story because I want to be able to react authentically. And so, you know, I'm the same way. I I used to write out way more questions for them so that they would have a very good idea of where it's going. But now it's just kind of some some topical bullet points and we're gonna go on some rabbit trails. And that's okay. Um, but but I try to do it very narrow now. I used to do very long podcasts and sometimes I still do. But um, you know, there is a certain appeal to um, you know, a, a, for an audio um time limit of maybe a half hour or whatever the the dog walk time or the commute to work time is. Is there any specific guest that you came away from it and thinking might 
my goodness, that's really inspired me or it's really opened my eyes to things. Is it anyone mm-hmm. that really sticks out? Actually, I, I had an episode two weeks ago and it was um, a gal that I've been seeing her post actually on LinkedIn. And I was like, what is her deal? She just keeps posting about Ghana and, but her, but her background is like, um, she's a contractor for the U S military and she was in the U S army now contracts for the U S Navy. So that's probably how we got connected on there. And I said to her, like, you know, what's happening. I want to talk about this trip. And, and she, 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 she thought I was a celebrity. I'm like, I am not a celebrity. I just have a microphone and a good computer, but let's talk about this. So, um, if you look at the podcast, it's called like 23 reasons to you know invest in a Ghana heritage tour. And so she was looking to trace her ancestry. And so she was doing all this DNA, these DNA tests and um, the short version is that after all these DNA, DNA tests, she was able to track back to a tribe in Ghana. And um, but the story starts in that she was this question, this child that like asked questions all the time, so much that her mom would just be like, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, go ask another auntie. And so she'd sit by her grandmother at all the family reunions and just connect the people dots. And um, eventually it would come back to great, great grandmother Easter. And she'd say, okay, now who were grandma, great-grandmother, great-great-grandmother Easter's parents? And they would say she didn't have parents. And eventually when she got to about third grade, um, one of the things we do in our curriculum is, you know, tracing your lineage. And can you trace your lineage back to the founding fathers? How far can you trace it? And so at a very young age, she had to confront the fact that her great-great-grandmother who was alive when she was born. And this woman is not, I mean, she's middle-aged. She's not, you know, she's not very old, um, was a freed slave. And so, you know, she has me like tearing up and crying. I'm going to get upset again. Sorry, I cry easy, apparently. The older I get. But, um, but that, you know, slavery is just not that far. Like within you know, within a hundred years, there were freed slaves alive in the United States. And it's just wild to me that it's, it's not that far in the past. And, um, and, you know, we've had a couple, couple conversations offline about it um, just because it's, it's stuck with me. And we've talked about her episode and I'm going to actually pitch it to a couple travel magazines. Um, but just, she's confronted it, you know, at the early age when she was in third grade. So that's just about nine or 10. And, you know, it's causing me to just think about the horrible treatment of people. And for her, she's processed that as a 10 year old. And so anyway, it's just really, it's not this, I, I knew we were starting with a DNA test, but I didn't realize we were starting with her enslaved great, great grandmother who was alive when she was born. And so it's just, um, yeah, it's, you get surprised and you uncover some things because again, it's, it's about the people and you ask someone long enough, there's something unique in their background. Like there's something there. And so, and so that's not what I expected to uncover. Um, but it has had, and, and she's just like, why don't you come with us? She's like, it's not, she's like, she's like, I said, you know, who's welcome on the show. She's like, everyone come, you should come. Everybody should come. It's not like, She's anyway, still very kind and inclusive and all that sort of thing as I would, you know, of course she's, she is that way. She's that person, but, um, 
yeah, I just didn't, didn't expect to come across that. So that's, uh, that's what I, that's the one that sticks out most recently. I, I'm looking forward to the growth of your podcast. So it'll be great to see uh, where it heads well, to. How, how else would you like to expand? You've done the, doing the podcast now. Would you like to go back into doing a bit more writing, I guess? Uh, I don't know, photography, maybe your own television yeah. show, maybe. <laughs> I don't know that there's a market for middle-aged <laughs> white ladies in, <laughs> in television. However, I mean, if that came across, that would be a lot of fun, I think. Um, but whatever, whatever happens in the future has to be good for the Chapa family, right? It can't, like, from watching some of your segments with your different guests, there is a loneliness mm. in working in travel. Yes. And I, yes, and I'm not willing to do that. And so for that reason, I am not a candidate for a lot of people. However, I enjoy travel writers. I enjoy their stories. But I enjoy um, people's countenance because hearing their voice and seeing and even seeing people on video, like I guess actors can act, right? And if you can see yourself, you can kind of gauge it. What am I looking like? My hair is not right, whatever. But I think there's a little bit of a let your guard down when it's just your voice because you're just having a dialogue with someone. And I think that you can catch someone's countenance pretty well that way and so i honestly would love to work with a travel publication and take what they've printed and get that travel writer and let's talk it out let's talk that article out because if you have writing content if you have a blog you have podcast content and some and if people can't read all the time people want audio content People might want to hike and they don't want to listen to music. Maybe they want to learn about the destination or like I was driving to Stonehenge. I wanted to learn about Stonehenge. Stonehenge has a podcast that you can listen to and learn about Stonehenge on your way to Stonehenge. And I think that that, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that that would be really exciting because like I know the Cotswolds really well. I know Oxford really well. I know the, the regions that we've lived in really well. I don't tend to tell my own stories very well. Like if you were to interview me, I'd probably do a pretty good job, but just one-on-one -on -one talking, like just, I don't know, like a verbal audio jump of Megan Chapa is like too much navel gazing. I don't think I'm that interesting, but I would love to continue to have these dialogues and I would love to turn some of that existing content into audio form because there are a lot of great travel publications out there that don't have a podcast. I think you should take on one. I should take on another. And we should, you know, we should get, capture those stories. So I don't know what the future has for Megan Chapa. Um, I'm going to keep going. I, I do have actually a couple articles that I've pitched and I have a couple articles being written about me and a couple of publications. So that's exciting. Um, so, but the goal actually is to do more writing and to take some of the things I'm interviewing about and turn them into writing projects. And so I don't know, but, um, collaboration is kind of the goal for 2021 um, but it's just a, a bizarre year the kids are just finally back in school and then the school year is ending like june 1st and so then we're going to have a whole summer of adventures together in virginia um learning our new area but um so i don't know what's going to happen it has to work in the kids schedule because i'm not willing to be a solo traveler 
And I, I mean, part of the fun of my style of travel is experiencing it with my children and specifically my husband. My, like we are, we have a bank of inside jokes now that apply almost anywhere in the world that we are. And so we can just see something and communicate the sentiment of something by like a little inside joke or something. And I, I've done some solo travel where I've been somewhere and been like, I have a zinger and no one here will get it. So, <laughs> so um, I would love to do travel, but there are some restrictions in my life and, and especially in regards to our military life. So I don't know what's going to happen, but um yeah, but the tourism industry has been a good home for me as a roaming military spouse. And I look forward to whatever that next chapter is. And I don't know what that is, but it's exciting. <laughs> it's the exciting thing, isn't it? And you mentioned one thing, actually, collaborating is so, so important. I've noticed prior to that, I wasn't collaborating as much. So that will be really key because it's also the recommendation. So you collaborate with someone they'll recommend you and you know you're building that poor I, I think networking is I mean all industries will say networking is really important honestly this should be like a Shebs and Megan show Shebs and Megs Megs and I Shebs quite, I quite like nah. that actually <laughs> <laughs> we've had a good work and a better name that's not going to work but I mean well I like Shebs but Megs I don't know although everyone's always called me Megs my whole life that's maybe it. it's because there's more than one personality rolling around in here it's like more than one Megan I don't know <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's a good place to leave it. Really enjoyed uh, talking to you, Megan. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, talking to me as well. So um, I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for your time. I'll speak to you very soon. Yes, wonderful. I'm very thankful to be on your show. It's good to talk to you as always. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time. Bye for now.